to me. Talk to me. Talk to me, please. Welcome to another episode of Jen's Gems with me, Marvin Schneider, and Jen Ward. Hi, Jen. Hi, Marvin. Hi, everyone. And thank you to the listener for joining us again. We're um, recording a lot of these Jen's Gems. Do you like recording them? Yeah, I think it's good. I think we found our um, groove as far as like finding a subject and sticking to that subject. Who knew that would have been such a dynamic thing? Maybe you should have suggested that years ago maybe i should have <laughs> the and and keeping them short and concise who knew who knew um the title of this one might confound some people um it's called beyond rainbow bridge <laughs> mm. and i must admit when you suggested this as a title i'm going whatever you want babies i have no idea what we're going to be talking about well, when people, people who are pet lovers, when they lose a pet, they say that there's a belief system in Christianity that pets don't go to heaven. And so there's a belief system that when your pet crosses over, they go to Rainbow Bridge, whereas like this place where all the pets are playing and their own heaven and such. So a lot of people think of um, Rainbow Bridge as a pet heaven. But um, but the importance of this, Jen's Gem, is this is a public service announcement for everyone who loves their pets. Um, they believe that their pets don't come back to them. And so they're suffering and loss of these pets. And it's like, it's so ridiculous because the pets roll back right back and come right back to you if, if you're aware enough to see that. Um, so that is very comforting for those that have a very strong connection with their pet and then mm -hmm. the pet does cross over uh, for one reason or another. Well, on social media, um, I come across a lot of people who, like at least once a week, maybe a few times a week, people say, my, my dear Mitzi just crossed over after like 10, 15 years or whatever. I'm devastated. I lost a piece of myself. And they're in that grief. And then everybody else, that's a universal grief who pet lovers know, is that's your worst nightmare, is losing this pet. What are you going to do about that? And from personal experience, I've known my pets have come back to me. Seema's come back to me three times, at least in this lifetime more feisty and more self-confident than ever. So, so when people are really sad and they say, I'm devastated, I lost my pet, I will post on their page and say, well, just wait for them to come back in their puppy body or their kitten body or their little bird body or whatever. Ask them to come back and to create a contingency plan. And it snaps them right out of that pain. And they, it's a new concept for people, but it's it's a great way to break through all the devastation and heartache of a one-life scenario. Well, the belief in a one-life scenario, because... No, to actually 
actually break it through because I would have been the same way when Seema left me. I had Seema for 12 years and I was devastated thinking of losing her. And then when she crossed, I, and she was, we knew she was going to cross. I had this contingency plan with her and I go, Seema, Seema, come back to me in a puppy body and I will find you. And so, so I explained to her, um, her, her vet doctor was our friend. So I go, Colleen's, Dr. Colleen's going to come over. And she's going to give you a shot and you're going to go to sleep and you're going to leave this body and you're going to like be so happy. And then you're going to like come back in a puppy body and mommy's going to find you and we're going to be together again. So when, when usually there's just this incredible grief from losing a pet, but when it was time for Seema to like cross over and, and drop out of her dog body, I felt no grief. I felt just relief and happiness for her. I could actually feel her pop out of the body. And then she was be right there in, in, in her astral body or right there, right next to me. And I've had that experience helping other people when their, their pets were, were due to cross. They popped right out of the body and that one were right there. So when people say, oh, I can feel my Mitzi right there. She's like petting my feet or she's laying right there. Yes, she is. But she doesn't have to stay in the formless state of the astral body. Create a contingency plan. And I've done this with my cats where when it was their time across, I saw the body of they don't always look alike. They don't always like the personality is alike, but they're not in the same sex all the time or they're not in the same breed or the same pattern. So you have to talk to them and, and, and figure out a way to figure out who they are when they come back. But you know what? Their personality comes through and um, usually the universe arranges this for you to know about them being back. And so it's just a matter of being aware enough and understanding that this process is it's possible. Two questions. One is, do pets tend to reincarnate quicker than humans? Because my understanding is that humans in their lives between lives or life between lives um, tend to spend a reasonable chunk of time between lives, at least from a linear perspective. So I'm just curious whether pets tend to come back faster. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure of that experience. That's not my personal experience. I, it's, it's not that I'm negating that, but I just don't have any personal experience in, in time between times. Um, in the Native American belief system, there's a book called The Case for Reincarnation where the Native Americans revered their children because they knew it was the elders coming back to them. So I'm not really sure that there is a long time. I've known people of just um, crossing over in time to be in the body of um, the expectant grandchild. Well, um, I th my sense is, if I'm right about this, um, I've got an, a sense of my immediate past life. There were about 30, year, 30 linear years between those lives. Um, 
And as I understand it from those that have do sort of life between life regressions, those kinds of things, 30 years is about as long as most, but certainly many people go much shorter. I I don't have that understanding. That's someone else's research. And I don't, I mean, that was, I understand um, Dr. Weiss's research and stuff. And that was like in the seventies or whatever, but that's, that hasn't been my personal research of it taking 30 years or whatever. So that seems like I can't go by secondhand information for myself. All right. And so the next question is, um, is there a tendency for a dog to come back as a, a dog or will yeah. they actually, uh, does it happen that they cross lines at all? Yeah, I think so. Cause I know lots of people say, I swear my dog was a cat in its past lifetime or my cat came back as a dog or whatever. And yeah, I think that happens. And you can tell that they're inept at being that particular species or not. But, and, and one of the answers for that last question is it depends on their incentive. Like, like I've known, I've known people who have come back in a dog body because they were like uh, a victims of war. Maybe they were in in a devastating tragedy and war and they need more experiences and they want to be with their loved ones, but they don't, they can't handle the trauma of being a human. All they can handle is like being petted and, and fed and sleep and stuff. And that's her way of healing is in a dog or cat body. So I have that experience with a lot of people. Interesting. Um, um. I'm keen to make some commentary on um, one of the puppies that we've got because that's kind of an interesting <laughs> knowingness. Milton but it, Bradley? Before I do, hey. Milton Bradley? Yeah. I mean, we can talk about the other two as well. Um, mm-hmm. But before we go there, is there anything else more generally that you want to say about Beyond Rainbow Bridge? Well, just that if someone, yeah, you know how much, pain and anguish and suffering just that concept of your front your 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 fur baby coming back to you you know how much that can stop and all the energy that's devoted to like oh i'm so sorry the grieving and grieving for others could be converted back into awareness and understanding of of this whole concept of our whole lives as totality instead of one chapter it's so frustrating that that this this limited understanding of a one life scenario creates so much confusion, ignorance, limited um, mentality and judgment on others. So it's like, if we could just knock out that one belief system about a one lifetime, it could end so much suffering for the whole world. I've got to, um, Laugh a little bit. Um, so I know that there are a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, even in this day and age, that still fully buy into the one life scenario, either by uh, conscious choice or that they just haven't even contemplated the possibility of you know multiple incarnations in a perpetual soul. Um, but so... <laughs> You've got to laugh. Those that buy into the one life scenario, uh, when they 
do then cross over and they have this experience at the astral realm and then they realize holy crap i was wrong <laughs> do you know what i mean can you just they, yeah, they holy may not shit. Know. <laughs> really you don't think know. so well it's not what i think it's what i've experienced is a lot of people who are on the astral plane don't know that they've crossed over because it's so much like the physical that they still think they're in the physical plane um there's that and um yeah, and what do you think? By the way, what a ghost do you think a ghost is? Lots of times, a ghost oh. is someone who's on the astral plane who doesn't realize they're dead, and they can't enjoy that experience because they're still trying to be physical. Yeah. Um, okay, but not everyone um, kind of operates as a ghost, right? No, no, but. <sighs> Nothing that I'm talking about is conventional. Every time I talk about something, it's it's never for everyone. Like people, people who think that there's a one life scenario will actually create a heaven in their mentality and go and be in that heaven for a lot of part, part of time. They may not come back for a while. And that may be a purgatory to them or something. But a lot of people with their understandings of life and death put themselves in uncomfortable situations as they cross over. So so my scenario of what a ghost is, is someone when you're at the point of dying, you can either stay with a body or cross over, but you're afraid to cross over because you think you're going to hell, but you can't stay with the body because the body's going to die so they choose to stay with the body it decomposes and then they're there watching their own body decompose they get buried with the body they don't need to stay there but they don't know they have other choices that's why there's so many people who are afraid of being buried alive because when they died they didn't cross over they stayed with the body and they watched their own body decompose and they, it's a it's a horrific experience, and that's one I relive a lot with the clients when I who um okay so in relation to pets, you talked about having a contingency plan at the time right. you know when it's time for them to cross over, and you're having that conversation with your pet. So you know it's a, a hell for your pet is when your pet works really hard to get back to you, is back with you, and you can't recognize them as your old friend. And I've, I've had so many people come to me and they said, this one acts and thinks and is so much like my other one. I think the other one is channeling them somehow. No, that is them. And so it's what a disappointment for a pet. For one thing, when they, the pet does cross over and is with you in their astral body and just with you, and because they've crossed over, you just like dismiss them all together and don't even acknowledge their presence anymore because, oh, by the way, they're dead. No, they've just transformed form. They're still with you. They still want to be loved. Even though you can't feel it, you can sense it. So that's that's a hell for a pet. So um, I forgot the point. I was talking about you were offering a solution for people in, in the pet scenario, and that is yes. a contingency okay. plan. So, so the thing is about 
when when your pet crosses over, you want to be comforted. So you tell everyone on social media and they tell you how sorry they are, but they're burying you in their pain. They're projecting their loss of their pet and their pain and their understanding of death and lim limitations onto you. And you're projecting that onto your pet. So it actually prevents you from, from having that dynamic free-flowing experience with that pet. So if you can refrain from doing that and say, oh, my Mitzi crossed over, but I'm waiting for them to come back and I'll be anyone who knows about, you know, any puppies coming around in five months or so. For, for me, it was five months for Seema. She came back in a puppy body. So I have experience about that. So if people can like, like just let them go for a little bit. And then when they start thinking, and having dreams about their pet, like it could be a few months later, then then that could be their pet reaching out saying, okay, I'm ready, come find me, start looking for me. Do you want to tell the listener our experience or our you experiences? Go you go first. No, I think this is a story best told by you. So so start okay. with start with Maisie. Okay, so, so when when I found out I was going to Australia, I couldn't keep my my dogs in America or my cats because of the um, quarantine laws are are cruel. That's like fifteen months without them. That's like a whole chunk of their lives. So I found them good homes, and I found Sema and and Buster home together. Now, Seema, I had just gone to the trouble of finding her in her puppy body. She was only like two years old. So after these people had her for a very short time, she was emaciated. She was like all firm bones, and you saw the pictures. And we got we got the um the we got the animal police into it and stuff. And these people were real assholes. Said so they loved them, but they they she was starving. And so it was excruciating for me to know. But when I got over here, she Seema sent a message through my friend Therese and said, tell mommy I'll see her in Australia and um, that I'm fine. So I got the sense Seema was starving herself to death so she could be here with us. So I knew we would get puppies here and you thought we'd wait two years because you weren't ready to accept that responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> you put, it's almost like um, you know the um honeymoon before you have you know human babies when uh, you know after you mm -hmm. get married it's like you know hey, yeah at least give us some time yeah. but apparently everything for us is speeded up and oh everything's sped up and nothing nothing operates in a linear sense the mm -mm. puppies are a bit boisterous outside just yeah anyway so continue so, with the story so i go i know when we're gonna find find our puppies were supposed a, a puppy that we're supposed to and I knew it would be Seema because she was the one and it was like we'll, we'll go to one of these festivals and we were on our way farmers to a festival farmer's market we were on our way to a farmer's market that day I go what's going to happen is we're going to find someone who's breeding breeding animals and we're going to just connect with them and know that's where our babies are coming from so it was the second booth we went to that day we found this woman who had great carn on silky terriers and if one thing i told Seema, baby Seema, i go when you come back to mama in australia 
come in a little body because daddy won't let big dogs in the house. So it's so funny. So she was breeding silky terriers. And um, I don't know how I got you to agree to like, let me have a puppy. So so we, we I, I, I don't I don't know either, but I did know that getting the puppy was a integral part of the work that we're doing at Genuine Healing. I actually think they're not mascots, but I think they're they're kind of part of the genuine healing. So I think there's I don't know exactly what their role is going to be. I've got a bit of a sense. We can talk yeah. about that after. But well, yeah, okay. So, so that they was. Are- they are grounding rods for me. It's like, uh, I mean, the the energy work is so incredible that yeah. the gr- they like ground the energy for me and allow me to be physical and just they're playing off all this energy that they feel. So anyways, we were going to go, the The woman said there was um, um, a litter about to be born. And we went to be interviewed by the puppies. And so, you know, I had just went through it two years ago. I found semen number two from semen number one. And so I knew the rigmarole. I go visit her. I acknowledge that she's my puppy and I'll pick her up in a, in a few weeks when she's ready to go. So I saw this puppy. I pick her up and she's just calming. It's anything like, okay, I've been here, done this before. And she's just knowing this, that she's my baby. And it's just so matter of fact. But when we went to see her, there was another puppy there and he was like clawing to get at me and Stephanie was like, no, take me. And he couldn't even walk it because they were only like three and a half weeks old or four weeks old. And he literally leaned onto the wall to run after the door to try to follow us out. He was hell bent on being our puppy. And I knew that we had to commit to that puppy or else, you know, we'd we'd lose the spiritual opportunity. And as soon as you called and committed to getting Merle, I felt this relief is like, then he was energetically running around the whole house. And there was this calm in the house because this, he was relaxed and he had, he was our puppy. Now, when I got him home, I knew that I knew him. I knew I knew him from this lifetime. And once he was in the crate, I saw his face and he's exactly looked like my friend Patty's dog, Cosmo, who was a little Maltese. And I can't look at Merle without seeing Cosmo because they're exactly like their personality is unlike. Cosmo hated puppies, couldn't stand that puppy mentality. And he, his mom owned a dog wash, so he couldn't stand the obnoxiousness of dogs. He just wanted to be left alone. And this puppy comes in with that same same mentality he does he can't stand his sister because she acts so goofy and she acts like a puppy whimsical she's whimsical yeah. ladies mm-hmm. and she's she she's kind of a little bit controlling let's just face it yeah well she's got a lot of energy and she plays out that energy and poor old merle he's just sitting there going no you know i just leave me alone <laughs> right but when we got milton now right, i don't so know now, now this is puppy yet. number three Milton just fell into our laps because we went to the dog park and this guy had just picked up a little silky and he couldn't keep him because he was so traumatized that I just got a nudge. Let's have a play date with our babies at our house and see if, you know, how that works. And that, and then this little dog that was really wilted and um, 
not fit in it. He just was like, he wasn't even standing on his own. He was just like flattening himself to the ground with his cowering. And then he saw Maisie and Merle and he just perked up into a, like a doggy play. And then they started running around the backyard and then he kept running up to me and was so happy. So we had a play date that night and a sleepover. And he decided we sleep. would do a sleepover to see how that would work. Mm -hmm. And it worked out well. And Milton's been here. His, his middle name's Bradley, Milton Bradley, because the guy who had this, this game board empire's name was Milton Bradley. And it's like, we want part of our intention is to bring back that childlike play to humanity. So what we knew his first name was Milton. So his middle name being Bradley was like, what's a better name for someone who's going to help us bring back childlike wonder to the world than Milton Bradley? Right. So do you have a sense who Milton Bradley might be in an incarnated sense? I've, I'm, so that, that's actually a genuine question. But I actually have, and we spoke about this last night, uh, we had a little bit of an insight about Milton Bradley. So I don't know about one individual. I think sometimes I look at him and I see a raccoon. Sometimes I look like Adam and I see like the, the monkey on the movie Outbreak. And we heard him howling like a, like a wolf out there. And then I, I've, sometimes... I've actually heard him howling two or three times. And it's not in the middle of the night. It's in the middle of the day. So he's not howling to the moon. And and the guy who 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 was going to adapt him said he's he's totally alpha. He looks so wise and and savvy, but he's not acting like a dog. I think it's his first lifetime in a dog body, or at least in a domesticated dog body. Right. We think he might be a wild wolf or something, and we're bringing. Um, upgrading all species of animals through loving him and teaching him how to be domesticated. So we're, we're bridging that gap between wild wildlife and human life. Yeah. That was our sense last night as we were just contemplating it. Um, the other thing that we've noticed about Milton Bradley is that he's Apparently, he's older than Maisie and Merle, but his development is quite stunted. And Well, it's different. Let's just say different. Different. Okay. Different starting point. And so the idea that he might have, this might be a first incarnation in a domesticated scenario kind of makes a bit of sense in that context. I remember when I sang to him the first time, he did what Marvin did. <laughs> no, but he was like really confused. Like, what is this banshee noise? And so, um, and then he finally got it and he's like looking at me and he's trying to figure it out. It's like, wait a minute, she's doing something for me. She's, and then his little eyes relaxed and his little eyes drooped and then he passed out. But it was really, he was taking in new information that he's never, yeah, just like Marvin, he's taking in new information that's never been privy to before and he didn't know how to process this thing. I can just see um, the listener in the audience, the listener just laughing about that. And so to that, I would say you're laughing just a little bit too hard there. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> I just actually um, put up a, um, a lullaby, a soul's lullaby, which isn't a very well-crafted 
song, but it, it was to a particular baby who's one of my friends. I have, I have a good spiritual friend who's in a baby body right now. So, you know, um, she's going through the, the angst of teething and her mother knows enough to like connect us and everything because her mother's a good friend as well. And so she, the baby was thanking me for the Amber suggestion because Amber helps with teething. It helps with jaw pain and everything. So I got a picture of her just laughing in her little Amber necklace. So I sent her back a lullaby and it's like just really sweet. So people can laugh at my singing if they want by listening to that. So the thing, though, is that this episode will be put up on YouTube in about four or five days time. So the timelines will be a little bit disconnected, but go back Mm -hmm. into the feed and have a look for what's it called? A soul's lullaby, I think we called it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So take a look at that. Um, Yeah. So the the main point of this is when your, your animal crosses over, don't think it's an end. Use use this as research to to test the continuation of life. Mm-hmm. And if you say, no, no, that's impossible, that definitely shuts a door. But if you leave the door open for the possibility of your pet coming back to you, at least it leaves a glimmer of hope of understanding and awareness that you didn't have before. So mm-hmm. it's a win-win. So instead yep. of just shutting the door and just imploding in grief and pain and anguish and commiserating, Open that door a little bit and hold for the possibility of a miracle. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners. Um, Beyond the Rainbow Bridge, interesting title. I'd certainly never heard that expression before, but I'm glad we had the conversation. Thanks for doing it. Thanks to the listener. Look forward to catching you next time and bye for now. Bye for now.